history. Welcome to the second installment of A Rebellious Beverage in Two Parts. This is the second part, talking more about coffee, because there's just so much to talk about. So we received some feedback on the first episode. Um, basically, we need a like a little thing at the beginning, like kind of giving people an idea of what they're actually listening to. Like an intro. Yeah, like an, talking intro. About an intro. I think we're talking about an intro. <laughs> so I came up with a few, and I just want to run some past you. Okay. I need your honest opinion. They're all bad. You haven't even heard. <laughs> mm. Okay, so. Welcome to Horny for History, a podcast with the hots for facts and laughs. I'm Erica. And I'm Jacob. And how is that? Sure, that works. Do you like it? (laughs) Sure. Here's another one. Welcome to Horny for History, hosted by a goober and her tutor. I'm Erica. And I'm Jacob. How is that? (laughs) That works. Do you like better so far? A goober and her tutor? Let's see what the third one is. Okay. Welcome to Horny for History, where Jacob talks about old times and Erica offers unsolicited chimes. I'm Erica. And I'm Jacob. <laughs> Which one did you like out of the three? They're all good. Well, I feel like I was wanting more of a reaction out of you, but I'll blame that on the fact that I have insufficient <laughs> nutrition for you here. <laughs> I, they're good. They're legitimately good. Like, that's great. Cool. Um... All right, so let's move on to coffee and its place in Europe. Specifically. I would literally love to. <laughs> My butt is hurting on these. How about yours? Uh, mine's all right. Good for you. So, uh, yeah, let's move on to coffee and its place in Europe, and specifically uh, to its place in regarding uh, many of the famous European revolutions. <gasps> and one, in, one famous revolution in particular. I can guess. It rhymes with crustrial. Incrustrial. Eventually, yes, but that is not the first revolution we're going to talk about. Okay, <laughs> um, so is an important side note here mm-hmm. um, to lay some groundwork. And I've mm-hmm. talked about this a bit already, but in more detail. Um, in Europe, people uh, didn't drink a lot of water. Yeah. Because it wasn't generally very safe. Mm-hmm. And this is true also in uh you know, 1800s North America uh, and a lot of places. Anywhere there's a gr- where there's growing urbanization, poor sewage treatment. Yeah, water uh, was sketch. Pollution, water was sketchy. It was dirty. Uh, it was often often had fecal matter in it. That's poop, folks. Exactly. It was not uncommon for you to get cholera, which could be lethal, uh, or otherwise just get very sick. Yeah. Um, and so people often turned to drinking. Uh, alcohol. So people would drink a lot of beer. Solves that problem. Check. On to the next thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So people would drink a lot of beer. Uh, Indeed, often for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they would have beer. Uh, Sometimes if you were wealthier, you'd have wine. Um, But people used to have something called, for example, beer soup for breakfast, which was beer with... uh, My mouth is agape. Yeah, it doesn't sound very appealing, but uh, beer with uh, bread or any other things like kind of thrown in, leftovers, whatever, thrown into your to your 
That's crazy. Yeah, it was just kind of wild to think about, but uh, that's how important it was as a drink. Now, of course, that means that everybody was... A little tipsy. Yeah, everybody was... They probably get really used to it, though. Probably. Everybody had a much higher... Uh, if you tried to have a drinking contest with somebody from 1700s Europe, you would probably lose. Die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or die, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people from 1700s Europe did right. just die. They'd probably be dead before I even got to the competition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not the healthiest Whoops, time period. Whoops, I have an infection. They are yeah. dead. Not the healthiest time period for Europeans. Um, but yes, and that might explain uh, um, the constant alcohol consumption and a much more frequent rate of lead poisoning might explain... Uh, some of the uh, more violent periods of European history. Oh, totally. Uh, everyone was just crazy. Yeah, everyone was drinking beer to hydrate themselves. And that means, and they had lead poisoning. And they had lead poisoning. So, so really, we can't blame them. Whoa, I didn't mean to say that. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I mean, we can blame we some can of them. We can definitely blame them. We can them. blame some of them. Yeah. And... and, and um, not others necessarily. But. It could probably like um I would imagine it would kind of um dull the pain that was living in that time when things were dirty and stinky for sure and laws were fucked oh and for sure yeah women were always wearing dresses <laughs> yeah terrible <laughs> that's the worst of it all definitely the worst part not the lack of the right to vote or Access to just the dresses. Just the dresses. <laughs> Worst part for That's women. What the suffragette movement was all about. <laughs> oh goodness! I'm kidding. I'm a liar. Um, anyways, so coffee represented an alternative to alcohol. It was also safe to drink because the water had to be boiled to make the coffee. So right. it was also safe to drink because it would you'd kill most cholera. Of the things who exactly? Uh, and it also uh, allowed for people to remain sober. Uh, so for the first time, there was a safe drink out there that didn't get you drunk. Right. And so as coffee was gaining popularity in Europe uh, between about 1640 and 1800. People were like, hold up. These conditions suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> almost exactly. <laughs> Essentially that. People would go to these coffee houses. And once again, just like uh, the European coffee houses... Uh, were inspired by Islamic coffee houses. And just like the Islamic ones, they were places where people from different uh, levels of the social hierarchy would mingle and talk uh, and where they would do so soberly. Uh, and um, that led to uh, discourse that was um, critical of kings and emperors mm -hmm. and of governments that... Uh, didn't treat their citizens very well. Yeah. And of course, this is also uh, the Enlightenment, the so-called Enlightenment period in Europe, when there's a lot of new philosophy out there. There's people thinking about things like, oh, democracy. and Oh, democracy. Yeah, and people asking why they even need kings to begin with. Yeah. And lots of critics of absolute, uh, absolute monarchy, which was the most common form of government in Europe at the time. Um, and so, uh, yeah, this exchange of ideas in these coffee houses uh, was uh, a contributing factor to many of the important and significant revolutions that shook nice. uh, shook Europe in, in the uh, late 1700s and um, early 1800s. Um, All thanks to the bean. 
Yeah, and so uh, to get into <laughs> to get into it a little bit, uh, just imagine this is a time before television. It's a time, of course, before the internet. Yeah, uh, it's a time uh, even before mass literacy. Hmm. So many people were not actually able to read or able to printing read press, PPP. Uh, no, printing press had been invented. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. The printing press had indeed been invented. So is. The other PPP, post-printing press. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Of course, that's what exactly, I meant. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so cafes were not only a place where people would go to um, uh, talk with people that were, you know, to meet and mingle, but also a place to get news. You know, uh, if you were a, uh, a um, poor day laborer, uh, you would go and you would have a cup of coffee and somebody that could read might read you the newspaper out Aww. loud so that you would be able to get your news. And if that wasn't happening, you would just talk to uh, other uh, people in the in the cafe that were well-educated and you would overhear the news of the day. Right. Um, and these places were frequented by uh, a lot of intellectuals, people that were talking about... Because um, during this time, there's this growing class of urban intellectual, a lot of, a lot of lawyers just... <laughs> So many Even lawyers. Even more so than now. Oh God! You, it, there were there were times <laughs> when we're, I, I won't get too far into the weeds on this, but there were a number of revolutions that occurred around this time, and sometimes upwards of fifty percent of the guys that were leading these revolutions were lawyers. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, at least they had a had a feel for the law. That's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, although if you delve into those revolutions, sometimes they were less respectful of it than you might hope oh. a lawyer to be, but that's all right. Also, laws were even more janky than they are now. Exactly. We're going to talk in particular about um, the French Revolution here and how coffee played a bigger down, role in the French down, Revolution. They're standing in your grave. Look down. Les Mis, look down. Right, right. that's not the French Revolution. Interestingly enough, though, Les Mis, yeah, uh, occurs during a French Revolution, but not the French Revolution. The French are people that have had, and we can maybe we'll do a podcast on this someday, but have had Oh, so many revolutions. Just so many. I have something to say. Go ahead. I know a castle on a cloud. <laughs> this is where I go in my sleep. Um, what else is from Les Mis? Uh, so I've actually never seen Les Mis. Oh, we're watching that now. Um, but that occurs during a rebellion in Paris in, I believe, 1832. I believe. Empty chairs and empty tables. It's actually not a very significant rebellion, and it's very easily crushed. But there was an important French author who happened to be there on the day that it occurred before he wrote Les Mis. And so Crazy. that's where he got the inspiration for this. Now, nice. all of that, I'll do another plug here. All of that information came from the Revolutions podcast by Mike Duncan. So if, Shout out to Mike Duncan. Love you, Mike. Yeah, so if you want to hear about basically any rev every revolution that's happened since the 1630s with the English Civil War, listen to Mike Duncan's revolutions, uh, and you can hear about all of the ridiculous, like, all of the many French revolutions. That's cool. Because there's just so many. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I learned about all of those facts. Cool. Um, Thanks. Anyways, so... Leading up to the French Revolution, which began in 1789, there were just lots of coffee shops in Paris. Like There was kind of a, a growing industry and becoming more and more popular. And um, A number of them um, were visited by some um, pretty significant members of uh, French society. So the Café Procope, 
Procope. Yeah, so uh, there might be some accents I'm missing. My apologies, my French is very bad. I think you nailed cafe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I nailed cafe. <laughs> um, is a famous cafe which still exists in Paris to this day. Nice. Um, they like to advertise themselves as no being the, the longest existing cafe in Paris, but it actually closed down for 50 years or something in the 1800s. So they're same building. Uh, and it isn't the same building that oh, they, they reopened, but they had a brief interlude. So they're kind of, you know, they're stretching the truth a bit with that. But hmm. That's fine. Whatever. Um, but anyways, I'm gonna this... write them a Google review. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, my boyfriend says. <laughs> my boyfriend says you guys were close for 15 years. <laughs> um, anyway, so this cafe uh, is across from the theater uh, comedy uh, francais. So. This cafe is significant. French comedy. Yeah, essentially, it's it's uh, it, it's important because this is a, a cafe where a lot of actors would come, and therefore drew a lot of attention from um, the uh, elites in and around Paris. I and can picture the like long cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, frilly pants and big Ooh. gowns. Ooh. Um, when do parades come in? That is a good question. I don't know. Hmm. I do not know. That can be a topic for another podcast episode. Berets. Yeah, fashion. Fashion through the ages, maybe. My mom has one. Just a raspberry-colored beret, and whenever she wears it, I think, The times you find at a second-hand store. R.I.P. Prince. Um, berets did begin as... Here's another tangent. They did begin as military fashion that moved into women's fashion. Oh, so nice. there you go. Well, combat boots are in now, too. This is, yeah, lots of stuff moves from military fashion into 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 regular fashion. Yeah, um, women, yeah. uh, camo. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yep. Zippers. <laughs> zippers a thing? I don't know if zippers, or if zippers um, are a thing. Oh, yeah, like cargo pants? For sure. Uh, what else? Helmets are so in right <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I don't know a good segue to get us back on topic. So, coffee. Co- coffee. That's right, coffee. Uh, Erica brings t- takes us off on tangents uh, as if she's had four or five cups of coffee and can't focus. So, bringing us back to coffee shops. Jokes on you! I can never focus. <laughs> this is very true. Um. Yeah, so uh, actors would gather here, and this this uh, cafe Procope uh, played. I'm going to say it wrong every time, and you can you can Procope. anyone listening to this can definitely feel free to make fun of me for it. That is fine. Let's ask Cassie. She's a longtime friend, first time listener, and uh, she's um, a French lass. So so she can leave a comment and correct my pronunciation. She can send it. a voice note. So the cafe played host to aristocrats such as the famous Marie Antoinette. Uh, the French queen. Who? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, you know, um, eventually, uh, well, we'll get to that. So, uh, played host to uh, aristocrats such as Marie Antoinette and to uh, the revolutionaries that eventually executed her. Wow. Uh, yeah, right? Uh, men such as uh, Robespierre, uh, Marat, uh, Danton, uh, Danton, uh, all famous revolutionaries. Danton? Uh, Danton. I don't know how to say that. I, I've heard these Don, names. Don. I've heard these names pronounced, so I can copy how they were pronounced. Don. If I was reading them, I would not be able to do that. Don. Um, and uh, the cafe also played host to these revolutionaries' eventual successor uh, in Napoleon Bonaparte. So he drank his coffee with his. What was the hand that was always in his friggin' shirt? 
Oh, I think his, I don't know, was it his left hand? Or his, I don't know. Uh, he did have stomach problems. I'm sure the Is coffee, that why? Yeah, I'm sure the coffee didn't help. No, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> he probably had ulcers up the yin-yang. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> um, yeah, so this cafe played host to famous people from the Ancien Regime in France, which is the regime of the uh, Bourbon royals, the, the Bourbon monarchy, which ruled France for... Um, a couple of hundred years, and then it played host to the revolutionaries of the First French Republic. The Bourbon um, Monarchy? Mm-hmm. Is that, like, their name? Yes. Yeah. Is that where Bourbon I don't know if their name is related to the name of the alcohol. Hmm. That's another... Is it spelled the same? B-O-U-R-B... I honestly don't know. I don't know how to spell their name or Bourbon. So, uh, I, could, I cannot tell you. <laughs> so, in fact, this isn't a spelling podcast. Yeah, and I haven't done my research on that on that part yet. Um, it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. She keeps asking me things I don't have answers to. Mm-hmm. I researched a very narrow uh, element of coffee. Okay. So, this, this cafe, of course, played host to uh, members of the Ancien Regime, then in the form of Marie Antoinette and, uh, and aristocrats associated and with her. And her executioners. And then her executioners in the First French Republic, Robespierre, Danton, and Moreau. Um, and then eventually to Napoleon Bonaparte, who ran the First French Empire. Uh, and so it's just this very interesting crossroads of all these people who eventually fought each other and killed each other and replaced each other. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then other famous guests included uh, the philosopher, the philosopher and writer uh, Voltaire, uh, and Americans such as Benjamin Franklin. Mm, um, ever heard of them? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, the most famous story to do with uh, with cafes regarding the French Revolution is has to do with um, the storming of the Bastille. And so this is the uh, event that kind of set off the more radical part of the French Revolution. So. Brief history of the French Revolution. There's a moderate phase uh, between basically 1789 and 1791 to 92, in which um, the a bunch of uh, the, uh, the revolutionaries uh, are working with the monarchy to kind of do some gradual reforms and such, hmm. and then that uh, eventually breaks down and. Uh, radicals kind of get a hold of the revolution in the form of uh, Robespierre and, um, well, Danton and Marat, men who uh, begin what's called the Reign of Terror. What made them more radical? They were in favor of a republic, uh, which uh, meant getting rid of the monarch. They were yeah. in favor of executing uh, executing um, the queen. King, King Louis and eventually the queen, Marie Antoinette, uh, and founding a republic, which, other than the United States at the time, didn't really exist. Everything was a monarchy of one oh, kind wow. or another. Um, even the United Kingdom, which had the closest thing to a democracy in Europe, other than maybe Switzerland. The United um, Kingdom had the closest thing to a democracy? Yeah, and it wasn't yeah, they have like one like close. The, they have like one of the most long-standing monarchs, mm-hmm. monarchies. Definitely, yeah. And part of the reason that the British monarchy has existed that long was because they had they did a good job of sort of gradually reforming themselves hmm. um, to uh, to not be overthrown from underneath as happened to the French uh, monarchy in 1792. Hmm. Um, and so uh, these radicals also proposed uh, things such as universal um, manhood suffrage, so all men could vote. Uh, oh wow! And what about what about what about like me? Well, women. Oh, nobody at that time cared about women. Right. Yeah. Right. You weren't considered important. Just my womb. <laughs> 
Only my womb matters. Yeah, and this is why any of them today would be canceled. And rightfully so. (laughs) Rightfully so. Hashtag not all men, right? (laughs) Yeah, progressives (laughs) progressives in 1792 are not the same as progressives in in 2022. So radical. Um, But, uh, yeah, these men also had some uh, interesting proposals regarding uh, social programs and and reforms to help the poor, although they never actually got around to implementing them. They just kind of promised them. They were busy. They were were busy fighting several wars and leading a revolution and um, chopping a bunch of people's heads off. Yeah, they cut off a lot of people's heads. Hmm. Um, But uh, back to the 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 primary storyline of... The storming of the Bastille, and this is where the, this is the event that a lot of people credit with kind of leading the revolution in a more radical direction, hmm. um, and that began uh, after a French revolutionary, Desmoulins, Des- Desmoulins, uh, gave a rousing speech in uh, the Café de Foy, uh, and so. These cafes were places, as I said, where people would go to get their news, but there were also places where if you were an angry revolutionary, you could go there to gather a mob. Mm. You could go there and there was going to be a bunch of people, and and in the case of Paris, often working class people who were, um, you know, had some uh, built up anger and frustration. You could go there if you were an educated person, especially if you were a very good orator, if you were somebody that was good at giving speeches. Yeah. You would go down there and you'd hop up on a table and you'd have all these people that were amped up on caffeine and ready yeah. to go uh, and probably a little bit drunk. Uh, and <laughs> and you would be able to say something along the lines of, uh, the king must die or something like that. And you'd be able to build a mob and uh, bring these. Uh, clearly, I wouldn't make a very good orator. but <laughs> Cup sloshing. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but you'd be able to build yourself a mob and, and, and uh, march off to uh, protest whatever government policies were bothering you. And in the case of uh, uh, Desmolins uh, and his speech at the Café de Foy, he, uh, he inspired uh, the eventual storming of the Bastille, which was uh, an event where um, the Parisians, the uh, people of Paris... Um, oh, is yeah, that what you call them? Parisians? Yeah, Parisians, yeah. They, um, they stormed an old fort. They stole a bunch of guns. Some of them got killed, and it further radicalized the mob, and they set free um, a group of political prisoners. Although, in his rousing speech, you know, and, and in the days following before this eventual event, they um, claim there's a bunch of people being held prisoner. It turns out there's only half a dozen or so, very few. But it's this famous event, and it's still celebrated as a holiday. Really? Storming of the Bastille Day. Yeah, storming of the Bastille. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Just in just in France, I imagine? Yes, just in Justin. So I can't like take the, take the day off, or no? Yeah, I can really take the day off. Unfortunately, no. Okay. No. Um. Yeah, and so that leads us into the next revolution that Erica so kindly mentioned, which is uh, the Industrial Revolution. And some of this will sound familiar because we've talked about it a little bit already. But um, during the early years of capitalism and industrialization, uh, coffee started to supplement. Um, or be consumed in addition to alcohol. Uh, coffee and tea is a big part of this, and depending on where you were in Europe, uh, tea may have been more important than coffee, but both were important uh, drinks for this. And so workers at this time were facing significant dislocation. Like, uh, workers today don't have it great. You know, you're working eight-hour days, pay has been stagnant for a long time. But if you were a worker in early capitalism, um, you know, uh, early industrial period, you were often working 12 to 16-hour days, uh, there were no child Yikes. labor laws. There was no social safety net. Uh, if you got injured on the job, then there was no public 
uh, universal health care, uh, and you were oh, using gosh. big, dangerous machines that could that could very well maim you and did maim people. Um, maim. And people were being moved from uh, sort of their often being moved from their sort of country homes or places where they were able to grow some of their own food or uh, and or where they would work on their own farm or somebody else's local farm. You could return home to have a sort of lunch or communal meal uh, to cities where they were living in small apartments and uh, had limited ability to prepare food for themselves and were working such long days that they just couldn't do it. So a lot of them would turn to uh, supplements and appetite suppressants and coffee um, was a good way to do that. It would keep you awake when you uh, were hungry. If you put uh, milk and sugar in your coffee, it provided a little bit of nutrients. There's and a breakfast. Little bit of a, yeah. And Just so, kidding. <laughs> Don't. Well, a lot of people at the time Don't. did. A lot of people at the time did, but of yeah. course they were not the healthiest. Um, not at all. Yeah, and so work in this period was long and grueling, and uh, it uh, required a certain amount of teamwork as people were working in on these in these factory settings with the, with other uh, other workers, and so it required communication and could be mentally taxing. So people needed to be awake and aware, and coffee helped with that in a way that alcohol didn't. Um, so they would uh, they would consume it, and so coffee was a was an important element of workers' lives in the early period of capitalism. At this time. Was coffee being considered, therefore, a positive thing by the powers at hand? Because they're like, okay, we're getting more. We're therefore able to better exploit people because they are alive, awake, alert, enthusiastic, as well as you can be on just coffee. I think that's true today, too. Uh, Certainly, if you Google uh, coffee and work or coffee and productivity, you'll see a number of articles about five ways that coffee makes you more productive or three ways that coffee helps you uh, helps you keep up at work. And those articles are written by Jeff Bezos, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ugh, um, he's so prolific. This, uh, I think there is, I, I, I can't say for certain that that, was, uh, that that was what was on the minds of the powers that be, but I do think that uh, there was certainly an element of that. There was certainly a desire to keep uh, anything that would keep workers' productivity high then is now. Um, was highly valued, uh, and coffee is certainly part of that. Would it be like a cultural thing, though, too? Like, at this time when the Industrial Revolution is taking place in um, countries like in the Middle East and stuff, is it as... So, like, at this time when the Industrial Revolution is happening and coffee is being perceived as, like, something that's now positive because the workers are now working more right. and for longer. How would they feel about it in, in How would they feel about it? Yeah, and, like, those... Well, that cultures. actually... We talked about that a little bit earlier. Like, that's when that... this In about the same time period, that's when, uh, for example, the Ottoman government was sending spies into cafes. Okay. So uh, industrial capitalism didn't sort of... Didn't really start to reach the, the Middle East or the Muslim world until... Um, the late 1800s, early 1900s, and even then, it was it was um, less. It didn't advance as quickly as it did in Western Europe, um, and so uh, at the time, um, those nations didn't have the same economic system. They were still more agrarian economic systems, and so um, What's agrarian. Mean? Agrarian means mostly on farms. They were people were working mm. in agriculture. Okay. Primarily with uh, with some art, artisanal production, which means like they were building uh, products, but they weren't doing it in a sort of necessarily industrial fashion as much. But uh, yeah, it, it, your comment is well taken on the fact that the attitudes of um, the powers that be has changed. But it 
hasn't really changed because the thing that the powers that be were always opposed to wasn't necessarily coffee itself, but was people getting together and talking about things. Mm. It, was, it was the sharing of ideas that sort of challenged the status quo. Mm -hmm. And so uh, attacking coffee in the early days was a way to attack these gatherings. Mm -hmm. And then once coffee had become established, attacking coffee wasn't a way to disrupt these gatherings. And those sorts of powers found other ways to do it. A good way of stopping people from getting together and talking is to keep them working 16 hour days. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Hard to, hard to do anything when you're working a 12 to a 16 hour days. And so anybody that has ever worked that long, uh, you, for example, yeah. well, no, uh, -huh. uh yeah, after that, you just kind of want to no room for ideas. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's something else I should add to the discussion of sort of industrial capitalism and, and coffee, but that I haven't had time to adequately research. And that is the links between capitalism and coffee and colonialism. Oh. Uh, and this could be an episode all its own. The three because, C's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so um, in a time when it, the working class in Europe was needing these sort of stimulants and appetite suppressants and such to, and demand for that product was growing. Well, where did it come from? Well, it was coming from plantations in mm -hmm. South America. And to some extent, that's still true t to today. For there's sure. a whole, there's a, a whole history of um, civil conflicts and revolutions around coffee occurring in South and uh, Central America that I haven't touched on. And that is a, um, and just because there's so much, I don't have. Yeah. That's I, a big I, boy. Yeah. That would, take uh, far too much time for me to get into, but it is an important, it is a, an interesting discussion, especially around things like um, the Haitian Revolution, which occurred uh, alongside the French Revolution in a lot of ways and resulted in, uh, uh, you know, the uh, abolition of slavery in Haiti and the only successful slave revolution, and how that affected coffee production and how that uh, moved over into the burgeoning republics in, in uh, South America who then picked up coffee production and their revolutions and uh, straight on through to the abolition of slavery in Brazil in the late 1800s and then into um, conflicts in Nicaragua with the Sandinistas uh, and the Contras in the 1980s and uh, under Ronald during uh, Ronald Reagan's presidency. Boo. Um, yeah, exactly. Boo. Um, but uh, <laughs> Boo. yeah, so there's tons to talk about That's there. That's a lot. Oh, I'm so getting much. like jazzed, but also overwhelmed. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt about it and uh -huh. why I didn't include it in this podcast episode. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll have to do, um, we might return to coffee in the future. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that sums up our, our adventures of sort of capitalism and, and coffee. And, uh, I want to turn now to, uh, coffee and sex. Bow, 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 bow. There you go. I've been feeling like some coffee. <laughs> um, this just in, Erica hates herself. <laughs> uh, yeah. So at a time when coffee was growing in popularity, and we're going to go back in time a bit for this, uh, in like the 1600s and such, there were in Europe and especially in England, um, just like in the Islamic world, there were some opponents to coffee. Uh, so put yourself into the 1600s Europe or 1600s England when coffee is becoming popular. Okay, I'm there. My cleavage is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, prior to 1800s, yeah, women uh, were allowed to display some of that cleavage. So yeah, you'd be uh, totally uh, uh, within your rights to do so. Nice. Then as now, but don't try to do that in the 1800s. And that's another, that's a topic for another episode. Cleavage. <laughs> well, fashion. <laughs> we should just make it about cleavage. 
Sure. <laughs> Cleavage through the ages? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so a group that was especially opposed to coffee at the time was women. And this had to do a lot with the fact that they were, at this time, excluded from these coffee houses. Yeah. But these... Marie Antoinette could go. Well, this Marie Antoinette was about 100 years later from this time. Oh, sorry. And she Fuck. was also very powerful. I know, I've been terrible. I'm jumping through time with this episode. No, it's okay. But... but... Ladies couldn't go to coffee no, houses? Not unless they were working there. Because oh these are places gosh. where men wanted to talk about business. And at this at that time, uh, women weren't allowed to talk about business. Gosh, this is a hot take, but history sucks. Well, especially for women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're gonna end the podcast here <laughs> yeah. on history sucks. Totally not fair, but uh, my apologies to all women out there for the mistreatment of men through the ages and <laughs> Even now. Oh, <laughs> Jacob apologizing on behalf of all men throughout the ages. That's a lot to carry on your shoulders. Especially when one's dislocated. Anyway, so this, uh, what I'm about to read you are some excerpts from uh, this can I read 17th the century pamphlet. Yeah, of course you can read the quotes. I mean, I am, I am so a lady. Desired. That's right. If this pamphlet was written by... Um, Women, then I guess it should be read by a woman. Okay, I'm going to try out. I'm very bad at impressions. The only impressions I can do... Are you going to give us an example? Yeah, yeah. I have two pretty good ones. Um, she doesn't, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> no, um... Okay, first one. Simba. Who is that? Mufasa. <laughs> yeah, quality, yeah, yeah. Quality. Quality. Quality Fasa. Um, second one. Or needs no one gets left behind. And that, everyone, is species 626. <laughs> Who? And if I got that number correct, if I pulled that accurately from my memory, I am going to be very proud of myself. Is that the name of, of Stitch? <laughs> yeah, I think that's his... That's uh, hilarious. If you get that, <laughs> high five. If you don't, Slap. Slap you across the face. <laughs> I, should get, I should get points for trying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that's amazing. Okay, here we go. The occasion of which insufferable disaster, after a furious inquiry, and discussion of the point by the learned of the faculty, we can attribute to nothing more than the excessive use of that new-fangled, abominable, heathenish liquor called coffee, which rifling nature of her choicest treasures and drying up the radical moisture has so eunuched our husbands and cripple our more kind gallants that they are become as impotent as age and as unfruitful as those deserts whence that unhappy berry is said to be brought. Okay, so that's the first one. The second one. They're still going. Oh, hi, baby. We can go for back soon. Yes, we are. Read the second part. Sorry, sorry. Experience witnesses our damage. <laughs> Rudy, are you a Victorian lady? I didn't think so. You were a modern-day pooper. In poopers? Okay, bye. <laughs> part of the podcast. Good job, but bye. Love you. 
Experience witnesses our damage and necessity, which easily supersedes all the laws of decency, justifies our complaints. For can any woman of sense or spirit endure with patience that when privileged by legal ceremonies she approaches the nuptial bed? That's pretty good. That was pretty good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the first one will have no accent, the second one we're going to have sort of a, uh, a 19th century um, southern... Am I southern? <laughs> southern lady. Expecting a man that with sprightly embraces should answer the vigor of her flames. She, on the contrary, should only meet a bed full of bones and hug a meager, useless corpse, rendered as sapless as a kicks and drier than a pumice stone. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm really channeling like Cruella de Vil right now. Love I don't know if you yeah. can tell. I will just say that there's been no period so far. It's old English. I don't uh, like old English. <laughs> By the perpetual fumes of tobacco and bewitching effects of this most pernicious coffee, whereby nature is enfeebled, the offspring of our mighty ancestors dwindled into a succession of apes, and not going to read that word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last word is an inappropriate word for... Let's not give... Let's not even hint at what it is. We don't is. need to go into any more detail than that. Suffice to say that uh, 17th century uh, English people were racist. More so than even today. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. This is a pamphlet by what were possibly women in the late 1600s complaining about the ineptitude of their partners in bed and blaming it on coffee. But I think with modern hindsight, we can probably say their partners were just shitty in the bedroom. They were probably, probably just Probably in other ways. Yeah, in probably other ways. Just shitty. Probably blame like the alcohol consumption too and like the fact that you wake up tobacco. That's also long days at work. So I wouldn't blame coffee either. Yeah, I blame some other stuff for sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I'm sure everyone is tired of hearing us talk. <sighs> Let's We've end this We've been at it for hours. I am a husk. I'm a, I'm a kex of a woman. <laughs> kex of a woman. Um, thank you so much for sharing your coffee knowledge. Of course. I was happy to do it. I hope everyone has enjoyed. I hope I didn't say um too much. I look forward to our next episode, which will be on the topic of... The worst year ever. For sure. 536 AD. Although I wonder so if it's comparable to like the past few years. I think so. We've had a plague. Yeah. What else um, was bad about it? Uh, war and famine. There's war. Yeah, yeah. Uh, war and famine. There's and... famine? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Right now there is war and famine. Yeah. I mean, you could make a strong debate. What are their but... gas prices like? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um... <laughs> No, uh, they had all four of the horsemen of the apocalypse. It's death, famine, disease, and bugs? war. I don't think the <laughs> horsemen of the apocalypse is bugs, babe. It's not? <laughs> no. Come on. I think that's usually associated with famine. Oh, I'm yeah? thinking of locusts. I am thinking of locusts. Yeah, usually has to be famine. Okay. For history. Anything else you want to say? Oh, Anything else you want to say? Yeah, I'd like to say, don't litter.